You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We'll be here for the next two hours with special guest Arthur Kimsky, uh, who's going to be doing a DJ set and an interview later on. Um, Arthur spent a lot of time in New York, has been in Berlin for most of the past three years, and now is back in the States. He's got a couple gigs with Nina Kravis this weekend, and uh, a lot of activity coming up on his record label, Lag. So we'll be talking about all that a bit later on. But right now we're going to get right into the mix with Arthur Kimsky. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
you're listening to the Book of New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Arthur Kimsky. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about doing this for a while. We have. I think delayed once by your visa situation. Yes. In <laughs> yeah, I was Berlin, to... which we'll get into more later in the interview, I guess. Sure. <laughs> I'm not afraid to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> what, what can they do now? <laughs> well. They can ban you from Bergheim, man. Oh. <laughs> no. It's a good thing I left when I did, or I might have got banned from Bergheim. I was there so much. Um, so, well, let's start by going way back into your history. Sure. Um, some of the background info, a lot of which I knew, but there was some you gave me coming into the show that I didn't know about, um, including that you opened a record store in 98? Uh, yeah, in Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, there was a coffee shop called The Blue Moose that we used to go to, and they had a hallway space right next door to it. And my roommate and I uh, basically looked into it, and it was 75 bucks a month. So we grabbed every magazine. We didn't know anything. Um, we just basically got tired of driving to Pittsburgh or DC to buy records. Right. And it was 75 bucks. So we uh, found Watts, I think. And there's a couple more that I can't remember as far as distributors. And we called uh, Sonic Groove because they were right. destroying techno records back then. I think I spoke to uh, Heather Hart uh, and everyone was like, yeah, sure, West Virginia, and they just started sending <laughs> us records, and uh, then that became a little bit of a, like a clubhouse for just, you know, all the kids that are slightly different from Western PA, Western Maryland, West yeah. Virginia, that part of Appalachia, and then that just kind of became a catalyst to us throwing parties. And, uh, and also, I imagine, feed your own vinyl addiction Oh yeah, wholesale prices. Yeah, we'll, we'll take two of that one. <laughs> it got well. I, I I was in my early to mid twenties and was a lot more selfish than I am now. So I would play something and kids would be like, "Oh, I want that," and I'd be like, "Nope," <laughs> which was probably why it didn't last that long. I amongst mean, other reasons. there was a, a lot of that going on. At, I mean, I would imagine that. That still goes on at uh, record stores to this day. It That's, probably will to the end of the, time. The main reason that most people who work in record stores work there is access to records that other people can't get. Honestly, it's not for the. Uh, it's not for what you make. That's for sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. So moving way on from that record store experience, you also you've spent the past three years in Berlin. Yeah. And I think you started working at Record Loft like shortly after you got there. <laughs> Pretty much immediately, uh, I had gone there on vacation, uh, I don't know, six months before that, and uh, Buzz Gory took me there. He was like, hey man, there's this new record shop, let's go check it out. And I met Christian, I met the Hinode kids, and then uh, when I got to Berlin, I realized uh, my best shot was to get in on a shop, and I know you know, it's not like Hard Wax was going to hire me. Or yeah. So for our <laughs> listeners that don't know, like, what is the record loft and what sets it apart from other record stores in Berlin or even other record stores in the world? Well, we'll start with Christian Pannenborg, the uh, the owner and purveyor. He is a record hound and like a Discogs 
professional. I mean, he started off with the garage space with uh, Mario and uh, Mateo from Honode, and they were just, I, I, he just hunts records uh, all over Europe, which is kind of an easy thing to do, but uh, essentially the record loft, what makes it different is that any kind of record imaginable comes to that place. Uh, a lot of it's because Christian, especially in the beginning, every weekend would be going to Cologne, Belgium, Netherlands, just anywhere and everywhere and get these incredible uh, record collections. Uh, there's this one that I got a bunch that I brought back uh, from Berlin, actually, uh, from Munich. Uh, this guy, I forget the shop, but it was the big shop in, uh, in München. And uh, there was like 10,000 records and every record imaginable, every UR, every Jeff Mills, every right. everything. And uh, the other thing that makes it a little bit different, I think, is the fact that there's no prices listed. And so you just dig and dig and dig and you find records that you know, you find records that you have no idea existed. You take them up to the front and then they kind of do, uh, they price it off the medium price and then you can kind of negotiate right and um but what makes it special then is that there's a listening station obviously several you're, you're oh. finding things that maybe you didn't know you were looking for because i know a lot of record collectors shoppers these days get kind of frustrated by what it kind of becomes like what's the point what's the function of the record store now that you can buy everything on discogs and if the record stores are going to be the same prices as discogs then right well, when people would come up to me and they would say, hey, well, you know, I can find it on Discogs. And I'm like, yeah, but you have it here right in your face. And it's like analog Discogs. I even said that. I was yeah. like, it's like we're analog Discogs. You don't you can have actually to wait, talk to people. Hope, hope that you're home when UPS shows up. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it was special about for me is I met a lot of people. I got to talk about music. There was incredibly talented kids that worked there. Uh, when I was working there, John Hester was kind of a consultant. The Hunode kids were working there, DJ Richard, uh, Florian Cooper. And then after I left, some of them left naturally. And then now like Hector Oaks and uh, Alienetta, they're just extremely like talented kids. And, um, and also kind of like a lot of expats would work there and kind of felt welcome there. And kids from all over Germany, all over Europe, even from you know New York, I'd run into people. Uh, like that that place that place kind of exploded relatively quickly. Yeah. And we threw a lot of cool parties there that they would not do at other shops. You know, we were kind of a wild bunch, and uh, the location also kind of made it special because it, it was in Kreuzberg, but you kind of had to go down this alley and kind of hunt for it. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it wasn't obvious. It was not obvious, and there was no signage. Now there's signage, and um, and then we threw a hell of a mayday party, which kind of, uh, you know, helped the 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 legend grow. Uh, so you ended up playing a lot of gigs while you were in Berlin. A lot of the famous clubs there. Would you, were a lot of those connections through the record store? Like, did that? I imagine that helped you arriving in Berlin. Sure. Maybe not knowing really who you are, you're working with a bunch of DJs, you're meeting all the DJs because everyone's coming to the store. So. Right. Well, um, yeah, I definitely got a... The first time I played... Uh, I almost said Stubb. The first time I played about Blank was definitely directly 
from working at the record loft and uh, you know I'm just meeting all kinds of people constantly every day and I don't really know who anyone is or uh, you know what anyone's actually got going on specifically but I found out pretty quickly pretty much everyone that came in there is somebody doing something yeah, and, for uh, the most part, yeah. and then that's kind of Berlin I mean for me Berlin ended up being parks and techno parties. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, it's techno Hollywood. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I, well, one of the agents uh, at, at Oscoot told me that, I think he told me there was 40,000 registered DJs in Berlin, something like that. What? Yeah. 40,000. Registered? Like, like, <laughs> like expats or just like tax-wise, I think there's like 40,000 DJs in Berlin. Uh which kind of makes sense because everyone you meet uh, is a DJ. From is a Berlin. DJ, or <laughs> it seemed like every girl I met was a, a techno fan that was a grad student. <laughs> it was like you know, basically, uh, I don't know. So how, <laughs> maybe that's who I was yeah. meeting. I don't know. How like how did your perspective change just in general as a DJ and maybe even as a person from? This is this was your first time living in Europe, right? Being in Berlin for three years. It was my first time living in Europe. It was not my first time living overseas. I, I, I lived in Korea and Seoul several times uh, growing up, but completely different. I um, was not expecting the uh, cultural shock, you know, because the culture is so similar. Uh, I was not expecting that, and I also kind of realized that in certain ways that I'm getting kind of set in what makes me comfortable. Yeah. You know, and like I entered my 40s uh, while I was over there. And um, I went through just like a lot of parallel things that I kind of went through in my 20s. I kind of went through again over there. Um, and as far as being a DJ uh, and what made me kind of a better person, I feel, is just... Um, a little bit of the isolation, uh, being kind of a part of the expat community, and um, not speaking the uh, native language, led to a lot of uh, kind of soul searching. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of things that I would do when I was going through tough times. Let's say here, I couldn't really do there, and I had a lot of free time. And I was constantly playing records, constantly buying records, constantly out and hearing just incredible music by a lot of different DJs and live artists and just met interesting people. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that it definitely made me kind of look at myself more because in New York, I was just working out go 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 yeah new york is and like that. you can't really do that there like even if you have an idea you want to get something going everyone's like whoa 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 hey slow down <laughs> <laughs> and if but the trick is you have to work but you have to kind of act like you're not working you know you have to like have this perception of like yeah i'm not really doing anything but secretly grinding away 
Um, yeah, I had a similar conversation with John Hester, who you mentioned earlier. Right. About this. He's like, they don't, you, they don't want it, you hustling too hard over here. They don't like that. Right. But you can't you not can't. be doing anything you, either. Yeah. You know, totally. you just have to kind of magically be like, hey, look what I did. And uh, so it's this kind of funny balance. Uh, and I find that since I've come back, that I, I realize how, not, not just in New York, even down in Virginia, even in the D.C. area, that we're pretty much go, 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 work, work, work. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's and, this culture, yeah. And That's when you, as an American, get into conversations with Europeans that you're just meeting, you have to get out of the American habit of asking people what they do. What's your job? They get right. super offended. Why are... <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why is that the first yeah, thing you want to know? It, it's yeah, it defines people. Sure. Which is unhealthy, but it well, is what it is. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a different culture. I mean there's things about that that I missed actually as well, you know, because the thing about like I, I always kinda joke that New York is a city that was kinda built on ADD where everyone just kinda goes, 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 but there's a lot of stimulation, there's a lot of entertainment, there's a lot yeah. to do. Whereas in Berlin, I feel like it's also a city built on ADD, but not so much like go, 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 but kind of going into it and just going with the flow. And you can kind of do that. And I see a lot of parallels between like what's going on in Brooklyn and Berlin. And I saw a lot of doppelgangers, a lot of people that like... There's went a lot up of people from Brooklyn that go to Berlin for the weekend too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, obviously I'd run into people, you know, or like... Man, it's exactly <laughs> like him. No, but I... I I'm not joking. There'd be times where I swear I would see someone and they would look and it was, it looked exactly like them, but slightly off, like their bizarro version. Yeah. The and then I, I went to Unter a couple weeks ago and it was the same thing. I kept seeing people that I thought yeah. I knew from Berlin and I'd walk up closely and nope, no, like nothing. slightly off, but, uh, but maybe like the parallel version. Yeah. So before you were in Berlin, you were in New York for 11 years. Yeah, I was um, in New York for 11 years. We should talk about some of the things that you accomplished here. You launched the record label, yep. which we haven't really mentioned yet. Uh, why don't you tell people about lag. what your label is, what the it's, deal is? It's lag uh, with periods. Uh, I'll tell you the story. Actually, when, uh, when I decided to start the label, it was with Corey, and we put out the Point Break record. And initially... I've told the story before, but initially Anthony Parasoli held on to it and he was like, let me uh, simmer on this. And after a month or two, I was like, hey, uh, you know, what's the deal with this cut? And he was just like, yo, it's a really dope record. And he was just like, I want to put it out, but it's not going to be for a year, year and a half. And I said to Corey, I was like, a year, year and a half, could be a year, year and a half, two years, or never. Yeah, yeah no, it, it happens. And then I thought, well, if it was good enough, you know, like Corey and I talked about it, and I was like, well, if uh, it was good enough for Anthony Parasoli to hold on to for that long, then we should start a label, and Anthony was like, yeah, start a label with it. Um, and I had in my head, I wanted to call a label Ladies and Gentlemen, so oh, okay. I looked it up. And then there was already a couple tech house <laughs> labels, and we, it was just about to get pressed. And uh, yeah, Corey was like, "Hey, man, did you check, you know, and see?" And I was like, "Uh, no." <laughs> so I looked, and I saw that there was a couple labels called Ladies and Gentlemen already, and then just. I think there was a movie called led. Point Break as well. Did you know that? 
<laughs> well, the reason why we became Point Break is because uh, one of his uh, exes tagged us in a Point Break poster. As me as Keanu and him as uh, Bodie, as Patrick Sw Swayze. And then when we were thinking of a name, I was like, why don't we just be Point Break? <laughs> and uh, it's Corey, Corey always was like, yeah, let me see that in type, you know? And he's like, yeah, it looks pretty cool. So we were Point Break. Um, so aside from the late, you launched the label and you guys also had a party series. I had to look up what year it was. It was 2012. So basically lasted a year, but you guys did a lot in that year. You did a lot of parties. We did a lot of parties, and I tell you what, we got a lot of attention very quickly. Like, pretty much every party we uh, we did got written up in the RA mailer. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, we were taking chances. Uh, you know, I went and saw uh, Virginia, because I'm from the state of Virginia, and, like, I, I was uh, familiar with her as a vocalist, and I saw that she was playing at Panorama. And she blew me away. Just the energy in the room, and just yeah, she's how, really... how she just puts her like uh, out there when she plays. It's for me. It's not even about like what cut she plays. She's just one of those artists that just takes fills the, the room, room yeah. with her essence. And uh, yeah, I walked up to her, and she kind of looked at me like, "Please don't talk to me." And I just said, <laughs> uh, "Hi, my name is Arthur. I live in New York. Who does your bookings?" And she was just like, "Oh, I'm." with Oscoot and I was like okay cool and I just walked away and nine months later we brought her uh, oh so getting into that uh, we started the game traction and it was Corey myself and Gio of TBA and uh, we had a meeting we had some really big lineups um, set up but then we all kind of realized that um, we weren't doing what we wanted to be doing. Like Corey was unhappy because he wasn't working on music as much. I wanted to start the label and Gio wanted to concentrate on like getting the space open with yeah, Memo. Yeah. yeah, that took them and a while. And so we had a meeting with the intention of, you know, carrying on and I just kind of said, hey, you realize we do these next lineups. Like we, I think we're gonna bring Saya and Cosmin TRG, Apple Blim, Skirt. And uh, I, I said, we do this, you know, we're married to this. Like, there's no yeah. getting away from this. And then we just kind of walked away from it. And then shortly after that, I started the label. And, uh, and then the rest, as they say, is history. Right. <laughs> so, so now you're back here. You did that. You did your time in Berlin. You're back here. I know you don't know, probably don't know exactly what you're gonna do here yet, but you've got, uh, and immediately in front of us, you have a pretty exciting weekend this weekend. Yeah, this is part of it Yeah, right now. Yeah, like, this totally. Is the, uh, I mean, this is the peak, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> uh, let's hope not. No, it's funny, like, uh, like, like in Berlin, uh, before I left, uh, Anthony and I were roommates, and, um, before I knew that I had to leave, um, my agent sent me a page with the, these three gigs that I had coming up. And I said to Anthony, I was like, hey, this is the first time I've had uh, three gigs lined up, you know, that I, that I look at on the internet. And he was just like, oh, look at you, bro, you're growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, it's kind of the similar thing. This is the first time in my life where I'm playing three days in a row. And, uh, so we're here right now doing this, which is cool, really cool. 
and uh, because of the bunkers, you know, had quite an impact on me personally, not just the city, but as far as uh, help, sh you know, exposing me to things or allowing me to see artists that, you know, whose music I was familiar with, but I never saw them. And I saw a lot of artists for the first time, including Juan, Silent Servant, at, right. at the bunker. Like a lot of lot of artists I, I, I've seen at the bunker. So, so yeah, we're doing this now. I'm flying to Miami to play with uh, Nina Kravitz, another person that I met through the record loft. Oh, okay. And I was going to ask how that happened. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty pretty much anything I would play or hand her, she bought. And I think that's kind of the reason why this is happening. And yeah. then we're playing together yeah. with her at on Saturday. Yeah, Shemansky here in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and then anything else, maybe a little further out upcoming, you want to talk about? Any upcoming lag releases, well, original productions, remixes? Immediately, the next lag uh, release uh, is Corey, uh, Corey James, and it's his return to lag. And I did a remix, my very first time doing a remix uh, for him, and, which kind of ineffectively makes it a uh, point break track. For is, the is, the la is his original the one that I like twisted your guys' arms to give me after he played on the radio show here? Um, I remixed kind of the experimental cut, the one that you played at Bergheim. Yeah. Like, I have the test press. The one I played at Bergheim, I was like, did you, it was your birthday, I was like, did you hear it? You're like, no. <laughs> that was literally the one time I That's ran upstairs. Because I saw you on the floor almost the whole set, and then I played it, and I looked up to be like, yeah, where is he? <laughs> I think that was the one time I ran upstairs for like 10 minutes, literally, and came back down. That, that happened to me a couple times. Buzz Gory played Sidewalks. Right. And Ant was playing right after him and he was like yo were you here you're like buzz just played sidewalks and <laughs> literally ran up the p bar for 10 minutes and uh that's happened to me a couple of times yeah um, i was i was on the floor there once when wada igarashi played like three or four bunker cuts in a set and to hear it like in that environment on that sound system is pretty awesome and like totally <laughs> different than playing it yourself in the booth you're enjoying it but like to be on the floor and hear it is pretty amazing if that's ever happened to you maybe you've missed it every time no i uh <laughs> i tell you there, there, there's been a couple like movie scene type moments uh well one time my, my friend ingrid and i walked in and she was like should we uh check in our coats and i was like no i was like let's get upstairs right now uh, i want to see zach D dvs1 is playing right. and i i don't know why uh, you know i just had this kind of manic like no we're going upstairs right now and soon as uh Soon as we made it at the top of the steps, uh, my cut, she, uh, she survived. The drop came in. And uh, yeah, as soon as we walked upstairs, boom, he dropped in my cut. And it was just like, we started jumping up and down and dancing. And I, I tell you what, it never gets old, does it? Yeah, no, it's, no it doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, there was a, my very first time playing at Panorama Bar. I was playing one of Erica's tracks. And she was there, and it was her first time being in the club, and she walked into Panorama Bar for the first time, just totally coincidentally, to her track playing. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to hear your music in upstairs, downstairs. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Virginia played one of my cuts. Same thing as I walked in. And you know, the funny thing is, is I was in there for a little bit, surrounded by people I knew, 
as soon as she played it, I turned around, everyone I knew was gone, and I was just kind of celebrating by myself. But <laughs> that's the way it goes. I celebrated a lot by myself in Berlin at Berghain. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get people to go there, believe it or not. Um, so you've got this, this upcoming lag. Mm. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to shout out before we get we should get back into the, the mix here i have a couple tracks coming out on a couple different various artists but nothing is a hundred percent uh announced yet so i'll kind of keep that but i do have some original music coming out on different labels this year and i also going to put out another ep on lag uh, that's one thing I've been doing since I've been back in the States is writing a lot of music. Um, that's great. So, yeah, just to kind of like put everything in perspective, I was living in Berlin, uh, had a lot of lef- life lessons, wasn't ever 100% comfortable there. As soon as I started to get comfortable and things started taking off, I mean, at the point where I was playing regularly, uh, Ultimately, I didn't get my visa renewed and I had to come back. And initially, I was going to come back to New York, but I thought, you know what? Let me spend some time uh, back where I'm from and um, just slowly getting things back together. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I think that's smart. I think if you came directly back to New York and had to get into the hustle of finding an apartment and a job, and you just... No way. Berlin yeah. rubbed off of me too much. <laughs> I, you, can't, <laughs> you can't go from Berlin to New York. I had to go to you know the suburbs of D.C. first. I might end up back here. You never know. But I, I, I kind of realized that I came here for New Year's, and I came here for the bunker anniversary party. And right. I thought, yeah, if I move to New York, it's kind of going to be the same thing. I'm just going to be out all the time. And yeah, there's, I mean, honestly, there's a lot more happening here now than was happening when you were here yeah. three years ago. It's, there is. There's really not many weekends where if you want to go out, there's not something pretty outstanding, some really amazing artist that you can go and see here now. Right. And my discipline is knowing that I'm not disciplined. Yeah. So, like, if I can't it's go all out, if I can't go all out, then I just know not to go, because uh, otherwise. Anyways, yeah. Is, is there any more questions? Or no, no. I think we've got about forty-five minutes <laughs> left here, so we'll get back into the mix. I think we didn't even mention this yet on the show, but you're you're actually playing an all vinyl set today. Oh, that's just generally how you roll, right? That is generally how I roll, and it's not. I, you know, this whole debate, or I've I, I've been uh, accused of being what's that? Uh, like where you're snobby, a, a purist, or like you know. You think you're better than me because you play... Like, people have said kind of ridiculous things. It's just a preference. I just love records, and I love to play records, and it really makes me pay attention and really listen and really be present when I'm playing. Uh, I, I did do the switch for a little bit where I was playing Control Vinyl, like 2009, 2010, and what I realized is I wasn't really paying attention to the music as much as I was to the visuals and uh, and when I went to Berlin that that same trip where I met Virginia uh, all I heard was vinyl sets the whole time and at that time in New York a lot of people were playing control vinyl and all I heard was vinyl 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 and then the very last set I heard and I won't mention the DJ there was something notice, noticeably uh, different, just feeling-wise, and I looked up, and he was playing with a computer, and I was like, ah, and that's when I just gave up, 
<laughs> control vinyl and just started playing records again. Um, I want to learn how to play CDJs uh, because I, I get a lot of great unreleased music. Uh, I have a lot of music I'd like to test out. But yeah, it's really good for that. And there's, I mean, they're standard now in the booth, so you don't have to bring any equipment. Right. You don't have to connect to... I mean, it's mostly how I play now, and I was very grateful to no longer have to connect my computer to a mixer to the control vinyl. Like, that was... Sure. Like, it kind of made sense at the time, but thinking back on it now that everybody was doing that, I was like, man, that was that was really annoying, and it broke all the time. It breaks it all the time. all the time. And then if this guy plays Tractor, and this guy plays Serato, and then it's just like, <laughs> yeah. the, the switch-out's <laughs> always really awkward. Yeah. And really takes away from something. Yeah. Um, yeah, the beginning and end of a set, which is like the really important part, and also when everybody's really nervous, and then you got somebody plugging in boxes. Yeah, it's it's a better solution. Right so on. with that, uh, we've got forty minutes left. Let's get back into the mix with okay. uh, Arthur Kimsky. You're listening to the Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. You're listening to Red Bull Radio.
Red Bull Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Arthur Kimsky, and um, thanks for joining us, Arthur. And I think you want to announce what the last track was, since that was a special one, yeah? Yeah, that was uh, my remix of Inchworm from the forthcoming lag release uh, from Corey James, and I did a remix for Inchworm which in the first time I did a remix and also uh, kind of makes it a uh, point break track in a weird way. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, I also wanted to say, yeah, the uh, especially if you're listening out in Berlin, you're going to recognize a lot of the tracks that I played. It's because I uh, literally brought back a bag and a half of records. Uh, I got I sold off or gave away about 700 records. And this was my, uh, these are the techno records I brought back from Berlin set. These are the ones that made made the cut. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And I got rid of a lot of good records, that I, great records that I still think about and I tried not to. I was just trying to move forward, but, uh, you know. Okay, so thanks for joining us. We've got about 10 minutes left here in the show. We've got time for maybe this record and maybe one more. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will be back in two weeks with The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.